We're going to start with verse 11. We're going to go down to 18. Starting uh, with this, I'm actually going to read from the Amplified. I really like that version a lot. It really expands on a lot. Uh, So here we go. It says, I again saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift and the battle is not to the strong. And neither is bread to the wise nor riches to those of intelligence and understanding nor favor to men of ability. But time and chance overtake them all. For man also does not know his time of death, like fish caught in a treacherous net, and birds excuse me, and birds caught in the same or in the snare, so the son of men are ensnared in an evil time when a dark cloud suddenly falls on them. This illustration of wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and great it was to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, and besieged it, and built great battlements against it. But there was, there was found in it a poor wise man, and by his wisdom he rescued the city. Yet no man seriously remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than strength, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heeded. The words of wise men heard in quietness are better than the shouting of one who rules among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Now, as we've been reading the book of Ecclesiastes, um, we seem like it might be somewhat hopeless. But in fact, this is actually a book of self-reflection and contemplation. And if we actually think about our lives or think about things that we may have journaled or written down through the time of lives, I'm pretty sure a lot of what we might have written would sound similar to what Solomon has been writing in this book. I started thinking about that and reflecting about that um, in my life and actually found a bunch of things I had written years ago. This was probably almost 20 years, and I'm going to share both um, both of these poems or whatever you might want to call it and think about how it sounds like Ecclesiastes. This first one was called Flesh and Bones. It says, no one will ever understand that my life is very bland. What do you think that on... What, why do you think that on my very command I get whatever I demand? You say my luck is larger than the Rio Grande and that I've made it to some sort of promised land. You feel as if I have the upper hand, but when the high command says that my time is at hand, I'll try to take a strong stand, but will be broken like a rubber band. Uh, This one is called Absolute Zero. It says, My heart has grown colder. I feel nothing. Happiness and love are foreign to me. Life is just a waste of time. Going about hopelessly with nothing to look forward to. Just one disappointment after another. That's what you taught me. That's what I'll always remember. Remembering you for all eternity. Why does life have to be this way? So cruel. Causes me to be emotionless cold and numb to this life and to these feelings. My thoughts interrupted by time. Time. Where does it go? Time is just slipping by through an hourglass. No one realizes how short we are here and how quickly we become dust. But this is life and here's the end of mine. So think about that. This is something I wrote 20 years ago. Ish. How much does that sound like Ecclesiastes? How much does that sound like the self-reflection that Solomon was going through during his life? And think about your life and how things that you've gone through, if you were to journal it, or if you have journaled it and can go back to it, how much 
would your life sound like a self-reflection or contemplation as to what's going on? Um, I think sometimes thinking about this and reading this in, in the sense that we read it, we actually kind of look at things the wrong way. I think we look at it as this, everything's unfair and that this is a journey that we're on and that once we get to the end goal, we'll eventually make it to whatever it is that we're looking for. So this part is bad, but if I rush and get here or if I travel to get there, then it will get better. Um, everybody's in this place of who knows why we live in this world and I'm just going to try and do my best to make it. I stopped to think, how did we get to this mindset? Was it a a theology that was passed down to us? Was this something that was just ingrained in our DNA? Is this something that family taught to us? It's just something that's been constantly passed down from generation to generation. But I want to encourage you, and here's my first point, that life is not a journey. Um, I heard a wise man once say this, there's a danger in thinking life is a journey. Some sort of pilgrimage with a purpose at the end, that life is to be lived along the way in the same way that music is to be enjoyed. If music were only about endings, composers would only write finales. Music differs from travel. When you travel, you're trying to get somewhere. In music, one doesn't make the end of the composition the point of the composition. If that were so, the best conductors would, only, would be the ones who only played the fastest. And there would be only composers who would write finales. People would go to a concert just to hear one cracking sound. Because that's the end. Same way with dancing. You don't aim at a particular spot in the room because that's where you will arrive. The whole point of dancing is the dance. If we thought of life by the analogy with a journey, with a pilgrimage, which had a serious purpose at the end, and the thing was to get to that thing at the end, success, or maybe heaven, after you're dead, or whatever it may be, then we miss the point the whole way along. It was a musical thing that we're supposed to sing or dance while the music was being played. Now, think about this. If God is the author of everything and has created everything, the heavens and the earth, that's amazing. This was a, a place for us to be here. If he's created us in his image and likeness, then that's also important. He made us a mirror-like representation of who he is. And he put us here for us to hang out with him. Just look at Adam. He walked with him in the cool of the evening. He built us for relationship. He built us with a purpose, a design. So if we look at that, that's one really cool point right there. The second is this, is... When Jesus came to this earth, he came to restore us back to the Father because of what Adam did. But think about this. Why would he die for us and not angels? It didn't say anything that he came to restore angels back to him. It said that he restored us back to the Father. Why? Because there's an importance that we have while we're here. Um, He even gave us authority over the earth. And it was to enjoy everything that happens here right now in this moment, because this moment we'll never have again. And this moment we won't have again. And this moment is gone and we won't have it again. 
And this moment is not happening again. So the moment that we're in right now is the moment that we need to be in. Our purpose is for relationship. Our purpose is not to get all we can, can all we get, and then sit on the can. Because if that's the the idea that we have, then we've missed it. Time isn't about money. Our purpose, once again, is relationship. I can't stress that enough. It's relationship. And we see that in all of what Solomon is writing, he's writing about, hey, I have all this stuff and I'm sitting on all this stuff and it's still not bringing me happiness. I have all these wives and concubines But there was no depth for him there. He was looking for something deeper. And that's a place that we end up being in most of the time. We can get all we want, but where's the relationship in that? Where's the depth in that? So we see um, even in Ecclesiastes, Solomon even talks about uh, doing nothing. He mentions, uh, oh, it's not about doing nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, Life is like a a vapor. Um, So... It's, we don't have to not do nothing. We just have to learn to be still. And there's a huge difference between doing nothing and being still. Um, I'm not sure if anybody saw the remake of The Karate Kid back in 2010. Uh, but Mr. Han says, being still and doing nothing are two totally different things. Nothing... Um, is non-existence, a state of annihilation, not anything, no part, portion, no quantity or degree. Stillness is freedom from noise or motion, calmness, quiet, silence, freedom from agitation. So when we can get ourselves in a place of being still, that means we're quieting down the noise and distraction, whether it's internal or external. When we're doing nothing, there's no purpose. It's meaningless. A life that is visible in stillness or nothing hints a lot on what's inside of you. Being still is is being in the moment, which is the most difficult task for anyone. The value of stillness becomes incredibly difficult when you get caught up with everything that we see. Solomon uh, talking about which Solomon is talking about this, and this is what we see in our everyday life. The foolish is screaming at the top of their lungs, and the wise voices are heard in the quiet, in the stillness. So, where's the hope? There's a couple of things that we can look at. Uh, One thing is this, is we have God, who's the author of everything. Um... And it's amazing. Now, we've looked at this in this way. If he's an author of everything, then that means he's written the book out for our lives. But when we read a book, we read a book, page 1 to 100. Whoever the character is in that book cannot stray outside of a strict path. You read the book from cover to cover. But I want to challenge your thought on this. Maybe our life is like a pick-your-adventure book. Now, I'm not sure if anybody remembers Goosebumps, either if you read it growing up, Um, or if you bought it for your kids while they were growing up. But Goosebumps came out with a pick-your-own-adventure book called TikTok, You're Dead. I know that doesn't sound that exciting. But essentially, when you read the book, you don't read it from cover to cover. Uh, You read the book, and then you get to a point 
hey, do you want to go back in time or do you want to go to the future? Oh, I want to go to the future. Okay, turn to page 50. You go to page 50. Okay, hey, you're in the future and you get arrested and you're, you're going to court and your sentence, um, your sentence uh, is to go to school for all eternity or go to the zoo. Oh, well, uh, I'm going to go to school. All right, well, now you're in school and this and this is happening. So there's a choice. Everything that you're faced with is a choice. And so sometimes I look at, at it like this. Well, God has written out an entire book. He's an author of everything. But the biggest gift he gave us was a choice. Every choice we make affects where we go throughout this book of life. But we cannot go outside of the boundaries of this book because the author has written every possible ending for every possible choice. Now, a choice is going to either lead us to life or there's choices that could lead us to death. The best part about it is that it interacts with everybody. So my choice can, in fact, in, in fact uh, affect Dave, or can, in fact, my son Chase, or can, in fact, uh, anybody at the first tamer, t- uh, timers group, any of the Scots over here. How many Scots? No, there's two, two Scots today. Um, so um, I'll close with this. Here's our hope. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious or worried about anything. In in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, stands guard over your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what tomorrow may bring. Live in the moment. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. What is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor, like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Live in the moment. Jeremiah 29.11. Everybody knows, but they forget to keep reading on to the rest of it. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen. Then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Matthew six twenty five to 34 is the cure for anxiety. I won't read all of it, but I will just say this, that. The last verse says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in everything that we've read here is don't worry about what's not in your grasp right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Live in the moment. Be in that place of stillness. You have to be in stillness. And when you're in that place, people can see a difference, whether you're talking or whether you're just walking down the block. Now it's about that time. Yeah, it's definitely about that time. Um, I guess this is the point where we'll break off in groups. There's some questions, uh, to be answered. Um, hopefully, uh, what I've said will impact you in a way that you've never looked at Ecclesiastes before. Thanks.